Money FM 89.3, best of prime time. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good evening, I'm Chua Tian with your Market View today and talk about the elephant in the room rising prices and interest rate hikes. The World Bank on Tuesday slashed its global growth forecast and warned that many countries could fall into a recession as the economy slips into a period of stagflation reminiscent of the 1970s. Global economic expansion is expected to drop to 2.9% this year from around 6% in 2021. The World Bank says clear parallels exist between then and now, which includes supply chain disturbances, prospects for weakening growth, amongst others. However, there are also a number of differences such as the strength of the U.S. dollar and broadly strong balance sheets and major financial institutions, which presents rooms for manoeuvre. So, how will all of these pan out in the near future? Is a recession imminent? While some analysts believe that the current inflation is mostly cyclical and central banks have both the ability and willingness to address the problem at hand. And to help us better understand all of this, we have Nikolai Schmidt, the Chief International Economist at T. Rowe Price, joining us on the line. Mr. Schmidt, Hi. Hello, how are you? Hi, Mr. Schmidt. First things first, you believe that there are three reasons for the return of inflation. So take us through that. I understand one of the reasons was that the sheer size of the fiscal and monetary policy doled out was too large for the global economy to absorb. Yeah, yeah. So I think, I mean, we've come a long way from talking about secular stagnation and our inability to create any kind of inflation to where we are today. So it feels mm. like something changed almost overnight, right? Mm-hmm. And I think if you look at the problem, I think you can break it into two sort of three pieces, right? So there is something temporary, there is something cyclical, and there's something structural. So the temporary stuff, I, I think, uh, has been well covered in the popular press already. You know, we have supply chain issues, the semiconductor mm-hmm. issues um, feeding into auto prices, et cetera, et cetera. What we're seeing today is a sharp rise in oil related to the, in part related to mm-hmm. the tragic war in Ukraine. Um, that is something I'll put in a temporary category as well. Oil is going to rise. Yes, it's not going to go to infinity. And at some point, the oil price will flatten out. And with that, the inflationary impulse sort of disappears. So these are sort of temporary features that, that sort of the central banks can't do a whole lot about. Then you have the cyclical stuff. And this is where the central mm. banks are stepping in. Right? And this is where you alluded to probably some overstimulus of the economy during the COVID shock. Mm. I mean, the fiscal packages that were built were just... It were just incredibly, incredibly large, and they were way too large for the problem. So what we had through, in, in, in a lot of the developed world, what we had through the COVID shock was not what we have in a recession. It's what we have in a boom. We had a massive income growth for households, and corporates did really well in a lot of the countries. So, so this is the overstimulus, and this has created a, a tight cyclical market, or, 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 t- or tight cyclical stance mm-hmm. of the economies. And this is what the central banks can work on, right? This is you hike rates, you slow the economy, you take the wind out of the labor market, and with that, sort of the cyclical inflation pressures disappear. Then there's something, and this I think is important that underlines the structural features, right? That mm-hmm. you know, the, the decade going into the COVID shock was a decade of deleveraging. And, and we believe that the leveraging process sort of came to an end around the time of the COVID shock, actually, just a little bit before. And that has set us up for a world with a more healthy final demand. Mm. And that just means for any given level of interest rates, you're going to have higher final demand, which means you probably need a slightly higher level of interest rates to sort of keep demand in check. But this is a more structural feature. Mm, certainly. So some analysts, Mr. Schmidt, they have been saying that we are on the cusp of a return to the 1970s down inflation inferno. Now, in your report, you mentioned that you do not agree with that. Why is that so? 
so so I think that so there are a number of features, but I think the the one key point is the central banks. So our thinking about central banking has come a long way since the 1970s. Mm. And if you look at the rhetoric of the central banks today, if you, you you see what 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 um, Chairman Powell is telling us. He's telling us, look, we will control inflation even if it requires taking the economy into a recession. So I think the transition to independent central banks with well-defined objectives and accountability has created an environment where the central banks really have very little choice but to tackle inflation. And if you take another step back, I think, you know, you're seeing inflation is a very big political problem today. Growth is not. So you are seeing the the key political decision makers wanting to bring inflation down, which I think is also somewhat different from the 70s. We sort of wanted to bring inflation down, but we didn't really want to take the pain. Today, there does seem to be enough institutional independence with the central banks that, that we are going to take the pain required to bring down bring down inflation. So I think that's the, that's the key feature. There are a number of other features, but this is all of the, the one thing. Uh, Mr. Schmidt, I just want to put this question across because the World Bank yesterday said that they are slashing growth forecasts, warning that countries could fall into recession, stagflation reminiscent of 1970s. So have your opinion changed with that announcement or with that statement, or does it remain relatively sticky perhaps? So, sorry, no, no I, I don't think so. I mean, uh, mm. Everyone has their own opinion, I guess. The way I see the trajectory from where we are today is we have already administered, on a global basis, administered a very large amount of monetary tightening. And and you have to bear in mind, this is not just about the Fed, right? This is about the Fed, about the ECB, about the Bank of England, um, the Central Bank of Brazil, you name it. Every single central bank is doing the same thing. And what is interesting about where we are today is there is no talk about spillovers or spillbacks. Um, And my guess is the amount of tightening we've already administered is enough to to slow the economy very substantially. And when the economy slows, the cyclical inflation pressures, I think they will fade. The temporary inflation pressures, who knows, it's oil, it's supply change. But I think the cyclical process will fade and those are the ones I think we really care about. The Federal Reserve's policy setting members, they have signaled that the Fed is likely to continue tightening monetary policy beyond the half percentage point rate hikes expected at each of its next two meetings. Do you think that is enough and what more needs to be done or when will inflation be quelled? Uh, So so yes, I think they are doing enough. I mean, they're in a process. Mm. Uh, I think uh, we are going to see a very meaningful slowdown in the global economy as we get into the second half. And I, I think that will sort of address the issues that the central bankers are trying to tackle today, which is really to create space in the labor market. So the way I see the path forward, I mean, the markets are priced for a lot of hikes. The, the way I see it forward, we're probably going to get a couple of 50 basis point hikes from the Fed, probably get, going to get one or two 25 basis point hikes. And, and after that, I honestly think the Fed will go on pulse because I, I do think the economy will slow quite aggressively. And, and I think they will have to ease back and, and, and take a breather on the tightening process and, and that the, the sort of the economies digest the amount of monetary tightening they're administering. And as you mentioned, inflation might be quelled in the coming months. The expectation is that in when the results come in from the U.S. side, May's consumer price index might start to cool down or moderate. Uh, what is your opinion on that? So, so, any, so, so first, the inflation is a lagging indicator, right? So, so the mm. way this usually works is the economy slows and then inflation follows, right? So the labor markets are a little bit slow to respond. So I think that's how we need to think about the sequencing. And what we're looking for is, is to see that very meaningful slowing in the economy as we get to a late part of the summer. It, it, that's, that's what we're expecting. Um, I'm sorry, I missed your, I missed your, I sidetracked myself, I missed your question a little bit. Are they, uh, mm. I missed your question a little bit. Would you repeat it? Mm. So, um, Analysts are expecting the U.S. inflation to start to moderate from May onwards. They are expecting the numbers to come down a bit. So when do you think inflation will sort of see that a bit of slowdown in terms of the rising prices? Sure, sorry about that. No, so... Mm. 
Um, so any one print is tricky. Inflation is noisy. It's extremely hard to forecast. And forecasting the next number is just it, it's ex- extremely hard. So I, I don't really have a strong view on the next number. Mm. The way we cut the data, and everyone has their own way of looking at the data, we actually have already seen sort of a, a peak in inflation. What we're seeing is a lot of noise, but we have sort of seen inflation come down. And when we're looking at the, at the way we look at underlying inflation, we have a number that is in the 35 to 4% range. Mm. And that has been on a downward trajectory for a couple of months. I expect that to continue. Mm. Um, the big elephant in the room is oil. So if the oil price is now 124, if that goes to 140, well, then headline inflation is going to continue to go up. Um, and, and oil is, is as hard to forecast as anything in this world. All right. And if you're tuning in, we are now speaking to Nikolai Schmidt, the chief international economist at T. Rowe Price. Mr. Schmidt, to keep inflation under control, you mentioned that central bank must tighten to a point where growth will slow sharply. So how should central banks walk that tightrope to quell inflation without causing a recession? Or is a recession in inevitable so i don't think a recession is inevitable uh, it could very well happen though mm. um so i think what we so the the key to getting inflation under control and getting the cyclical path of inflation under control which is what central bankers can address is to slow the economy the risk so, so the risk today is that central bankers really want to make 100 sure that the inflation monster is back in the bag and it's it's it's, it's sealed tight And therefore, they're going to go very far in terms of tightening. They're going to be very slow to respond to the slowing of the economy. And, and, you know, if you listen to the Fed, they're talking about they want to see the unemployment rate go up from where we are today. So the risk is that we're going to keep tightening the news for, for a little bit too long. Now, the positive message is this economy, is, as I see it, does not have huge imbalances. So usually economies become very prone and vulnerable to recessions when there are some big imbalances that, are, that, are sort of, that triggers these self, self-reinforcing downward spirals. Hmm. And where we are today, I don't see those big imbalances. So my thinking is that if central bankers ease back, ease off in time, and, and I, my base case is they will ease off in time, We're going to end up with a growth scare. You know, unemployment rates are going to go up. By the moment they ease back on the tightening, mm. um, and that just means stepping back from the hiking cycle, at that point the economy will sort of start to, to, to jump back to life, um, and it will not be this self-reinforcing downward spiral. So this is why I think we can avoid a recession. But in my view, it's going to get scary. The T. Rose Price report, Mr. Schmidt, mentioned that, especially during this period of time where we have high interest rates and growth slowing, Financial volatility usually ensues. So, how should investors deal with that volatility? So, so this is a, a this is a really good question. Uh, different investors have different strategies. I, I think sort of a common sense advice would be: if you're going into a period with high volatility, with great uncertainty around growth, uh, and and with you know some potential downsides, mm-hmm. you need to make sure that volatility is an asset for you and not a liability. And so, how do you do that? Well, you make sure that you're not whatever amount of money you have dedicated to investment. Make sure it's not all plowed into the market. Make sure that if there is a retrenchment in the market, if there is volatility, make sure that you're able to make that volatility work as an asset for you. Make sure that you're able to buy buy when the market sell off rather than you know being fully allocated um, and then you go into a into a, a very volatile period. Mm, all right. Thank you very much, Mr. Smith. That was Nikolai Smith, the chief international economist at T. Rowe Price on the line. Before acting on the information on Money FM. Please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O.
Available on Google Play or the App Store.